let's give them all a warm round of applause. Hi everyone, I'm Taylor, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Selfish, and I just want to say a quick thing before we get into the reading. Um, yeah, Skylight has been our home from the very beginning, and it's such a wonderful feeling to get to come back here every time we launch an issue and see all of these faces and feel really supported, and so it's super awesome to be here, and I'm really glad that you're all here, so thank you. Um, this is our fourth issue. It's called Hot and Bothered. The cover is amazing. It was not painful. Um, and yeah, we're going to get into some readings, so we'll get started. First up is one of our very own, Kelsey Nolan. She's going to be reading her piece, Dichotomies. <laughs> Wasn't planning to go first, so here we go. Um, so some backstory, I wrote this piece like five minutes before I got into a relationship. Um, so it's all a lie. Um, also sorry mom, I love you. Um, <laughs> mom who's been here for every launch event and has maybe hated all of my pieces. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> dichotomies. I've decided, as those surrounding me marry partners they've known for a year or two or ten, to spend time fucking internet strangers, fucking friends. People I know well, some I think I know, some whose last names elude me a beat or two. To spend, to spend nights in bed next to people, caring distantly about who it is under my covers. Sometimes there is even just sleep, a silhouette of a relationship. Often there is crossover. My dad asks me how the dating scene is, and I shrug, saying the same thing. There are people, but there is no one. My mom asks me how I decide who I sleep with, and I tell her it has to do with their teeth and how I feel that day. <laughs> I've decided when friends ask if there's any romance worth noting to wave my hand and instead explain the thing vaguely resembling BDSM I've started exploring, or the three days I'll spend with one person who I won't see again for another three weeks, eating, sleeping, lounging naked with, reading next to, pretending at intimacy, or the almost friend of a friend who knows how to boss me around in a way I find sexy, whispering commands in my ear at bars and birthday parties and occasionally our houses, my rotation, I call it, demanding orgasms but never finding any of them interesting enough to commit to, having enough attention to avoid seeking it out in my free time. I'm often finding myself apologizing for questioning, justifying my lifestyle as if the traditional one were the only one, as if marriage were the only accomplishment, backpedaling with banalities. Don't worry, I trim my bush. <laughs> I still care about the male gaze. I wish I were skinnier. I'm not opposed to conventional relationships. I've decided, as others pursue 401k retirement partners' healthcare stability, to hold dear a job that doesn't pay me enough money, I work here, um, by the way, um, allows me to drink too much wine at odd hours and watch too many movies and keep an irregular schedule and be so-called creative, that allows, me to have a that allows me to have heady conversations about topics an older generation would call us too sensitive for, to not exercise enough or spend enough time with my family, or write enough, or save enough money, and only sometimes feel guilty about it. I've decided instead to grab a hold of myself, to be the loud mouth feminist at bachelorette parties, accidentally dipping into conversations about cultural appropriation, to spend my time with broke, radical, less adult new friends living fast lives with the kind of energy that seduces me because they make me feel more like me. To make my people roll their eyes when, they, when I haven't shaved my armpits in a month and I wear clothes too big for me or too old for me and my hair is too many colors. 
Uh, because the shadow of my past life lies next to me. Part of me, yes, but mostly just in my periphery. The outline blurred. I'm feeling pulled apart by what I've known and what I'm working to explore, and I've decided I must let myself be spread. Thanks, Kelsey. It's been wonderful watching Kelsey's writing evolve over the four issues that she's published pieces in, so it's always nice to hear you read. All right, next up we've got A. Nicole Kelly. Uh, she's a Cambilio Fiction Fellow who received an MFA from the programs in writing at UC Irvine, and she was also in our first issue, but she wasn't able to read at our first event, so it's very exciting to have her read now. I just want to be comfortable. <laughs> um, thanks, Taylor and Kelsey, for publishing me, and thanks for having me today. Um, I'm going to read something that um, is not in the issue. I have a little story about being hot and bothered, like being f extremely thirsty, which is like typically what I write about in this issue. Um, but I want to read something that I wrote recently for my feminist community, just about some other things that have been um, having me hot and bothered lately. So um, this is an essay in five parts. Uh, I just want to say that it does include the opening lines to The Misandrous Prayer by the writer Mallory Orberg. It's called Five Phases of Mourning for the Feminist Revolution. <clears throat> Phase one, denial. We love to tell people the story of how we met. He lived in New York and I lived in New York. Then he went to Oaxaca and I went to Oaxaca. By chance, we wound up in the same youth hostel. He worked remotely from the big hostel kitchen. I competed against Corona Girls for the title of Miss Bikini. In all the clubs, they always gave the ladies free drinks, and he always made me laugh. When he tells the story, he says we met on the beach, and I don't really like to remind him. <laughs> Excuse me. When he tells the story, he says we met on the beach, and I don't really like to remind him. About all those nights we walked home from the bar together, how he apologized after each time he grabbed me to make me kiss him. There is a commonly heard phrase about this that is accurate but would make him out to be a monster, which of course he wasn't. He couldn't be because eventually we spent six years together. But it is true that he wouldn't take no for an answer. Phase two, bargaining. Maybe if I don't look at them, if I don't make eye contact, if I ignore it, if I just move away, if I pretend I think he's funny, if I pretend to be interested, if I seethe about it silently, if I count the minutes, the pauses when he talks about something other than himself. Maybe if I stop answering, if I just stop talking, maybe if I talk louder, if I talk faster, if I were smarter, if I were funnier. Maybe if I pretend I didn't see that. Maybe if I tell myself it was because he didn't hear me. Maybe I do it because it takes more energy not to. Maybe I keep telling myself he's joking, he's just playing. Maybe if I just get through this night, this meeting, this bus ride, this shift, this walk home, this reading, this family reunion, <clears throat> if I just get through this week, this month, this year. Phase three, depression. The summer started when the Stanford rapists got away with it. We were stunned, which is not the same as being surprised. They found a car full of explosives at the Pride Parade. They found 50 people already gone in Orlando. We went to Mexico making jokes about escaping the patriarchy before spending the weekend fending off dangerous men. We returned to California feeling even more vulnerable. In self-defense class, I cried each time they simulated assault. A girl was murdered because she said no to the prom. On the 4th of July, police killed a black man for being poor. And on the 8th, the 6th of July, police killed a black man over a taillight. And on the 8th of July, they 
killed, on the 10th they killed, on the 12th and the 17th and the 23rd they killed. They killed in Istanbul and Ramadan in Nice, on Ramadan in Nice and in Germany. The RNC was a festival of white male fragility, still a nightmare candidate took a lead in the polls. And the officers that murdered Freddie Gray were all acquitted. They wouldn't put Hillary Clinton on the newspaper's front page and none of it felt like an accident. Meanwhile, her campaign works to win over white dudes who can't stand the thought of a woman who talks. And never has my powerlessness felt so palpable. Phase four, rage. <clears throat> First, you internalize. You start to believe it. You hold all of this inside you. You invite a sickness. The sickness makes you believe that this is all normal. The sickness makes you feel like your disgust is the anomaly. If a feminist is the rage of all women condensed to the point of explosion, then I am a black hole. At some point, you get tired of compromising. Another woman invited me to a ritual burning. She said, bring whatever things you want to leave in the fire, and I could only think of my fears, my hesitation, the impulse to apologize, my inability to speak up. I said, I'm bringing every single one of my bridges. She said, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. She said, yes, all women. She said, yes, all women. She said, say her name. She said, who the fuck do you think are you? She said, if you can read this, dump him and follow me. Another woman asked me, who do you mean when you say kill all men? And I remind her that patriarchy has no gender. I say, it's possible to separate a man from male behavior. I say, separate all men from their unearned power. I say, separate all men from their undeserved confidence. Separate all men from their incessant sense of entitlement. I say, let them feel afraid for once, which is a fantasy. We talk about our dreams of feminist utopia? What if no men could run for Senate for 100 years? What if all women are lesbians except the ones that don't know it yet? What if we all got so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. What if, we, <laughs> what if we all got so strong that we never had to feel afraid ever again? What if we were believed? We covet buttons that say, dead men can't catcall. We wear t-shirts that say, kill your local rapist. In self-defense class, they give us stickers that say, armate mujer. And when someone says, rip his dick off, we laugh. This is what we mean when we say, kill all men. Kill money, kill hierarchy, kill white supremacy. Kill slavery, kill war, kill religion, kill misogyny. Kill his power, his ego, his platform, his privilege, his unsolicited opinion, his endless opportunities. Has anyone ever told you you're really pretty when you're angry? I wake up incandescent with rage. I pray, God, make me an instrument of female domination. Where there is maleness, let me sow femaleness. Where there are men talking, men silent. Where there are men smiling, men cowering. And where there is male sadness, only female joy. I pray to be loud and tough and enormous. I pray to be strong enough to destroy. I refuse to settle. I say, fuck compromise. I demand no less than everything. This is the basis of radical thought. You demand a feast even when you expect crumbs. I will not tone it down. I will not be quiet. I will not stop talking. I do not give my consent. I will not apologize. I will not stop agitating. I will not stop calm down. And I will not forget. I'm your worst fear, your fantasy, your enemy. <clears throat> Phase five, liberation. We talk about our dreams of feminist utopia on a horse ranch in Baja, where we are finally alone together. It is a campfire we build ourselves, a fire that turns red, dark blue, and teal. It tastes like making a meal together. It sounds like all of us laughing at once. It feels like chopping wood, riding bareback, taking our shirts off, hitchhiking. It's walking to the grocery store at night with no coat on without one stranger making a comment about your body. It's loud. It takes up more space in public. It's an audience at all times, everywhere. It's a judge who doesn't empathize with perpetrators, who won't insist on gray where there is only black and white. It's health care. It's childcare, it's porous borders, it's waking up next to a woman, it's bilingual schools, it's making the decision to terminate your pregnancy, it's an Uber driver who just takes you home. 
we dream, we dream out loud about being taken seriously the first time without having to insist and then to prove it. It feels like being believed. It's a candidate in a white suit looking pleased with herself. It's a young Olympic athlete who declines to salute our flag. It's leaving your date with no explanation. It's having access to affordable housing so it's possible to leave him. It is the night... Sorry, it is the right to a home. It is the abolition of prisons. It is reparations for slavery paid with free education and schools no longer tasked with the teaching of half-truths. It is publishing the letter you wrote to your rapist. It's growing your own food. It's a four-day work week. It's the sound of your own voice in a quiet room. There is nothing more valuable than our collective imagination, and so we embrace this fantasy. We tell these stories in order to live, in order to keep living. And when we talk about our dreams of feminist utopia, we say, this is what it will feel like when we are finally people. Thanks. Alright, so that's it. That's it. I'm just gonna go home now. No, that gave me chills. Um, okay. Whew, that was amazing. Um, next up, we have Bonnie Lee Kaufman. She attended the Lambda Literary Foundation Writing Retreat for Emerging Voices and is an active member of the QueerWise Senior Writing Collective, which is how she came to find us. Bonnie Lee. I'm really honored to be here. This is my most favorite bookstore, and I really think this journal is hot to trot. In retrospect, felt the tugging. It was a long-distance thing, sporadic, satisfying. I'd pack our cache of toys and lubricants, it was a process, sterilizing each one, sheathed individual silk pouches, drawstring pulled tight. We believed abundance and variety, a religion. Tried not to claim favorites. She leaned toward naming them Brownie, Junior, me, I'm a different sort. Acting cool, checking suitcases, unlocked as required. Airport security had a field day. Taking liberties, pawing through, fondling our feels-like-real-skin menagerie. Humiliating me. When we started, we were novice, overcome by flaming red cheeks, rushing out the sex store, looking both ways, brainwashed by purest lesbian feminist notions. Well, fists and fingers, they've got their place too. But life, there is more to life, thoroughly lived on the back roads. We motorcycled, lapdog in tow, seeking seclusion. A twist on your ordinary outdoor target practice. Single moments get frozen in time. Dog nuzzling earth oblivious. Stray man appears two feet from us, mostly dressed. And she says, I knew this wasn't a good spot. And I'm thinking, if you knew, why didn't you say something? 
Plus, I am in a state open and vulnerable and all wanting not an audience. Would you just move on? I prod, deeply exasperated, and he did. In retrospect, I suppose we were blessed. Me all twisted up in her lap, left off hard like a choke, caught, upset over the stain, the invasion, those TSA stickers inside our treasured silk, exposed, spent hours scrubbing for pride, lost years ago, wishing I were a boy, my cock intimidating. You can't run from reality. Being a boy has advantages. But even as a femme, sporting one hard underneath lace trimmings, it's a trip. The status, the power, the ranking, it's taken me years to stand. Thank you. I love every time we get to be here, and so I'm just really glad that you're all here. Thank you for being here. Okay, <clears throat> next up we've got Daisy, who's going to be reading an excerpt from a zine that's in the magazine. Daisy is a writer and photographer with a tendency to make bad drawings. She is about to start an MFA program for creative writing at Kingston University, where she hopes to indulge in her obsession with the mouth. Daisy? Hi, uh, I'm not used to using a microphone and I have a pretty loud voice as it is, so if it's too loud, just put your hands up and let me know. <clears throat> so this poem is called Lust Slut. Don't talk about love. No, this is the lust that lingers after you have long departed. The heightened crush, the irrational yearning of wanting to get physical but not emotional. That lust lingers days, weeks, eternal to the howl at the moon feeling, the stamp my foot feeling of wanting to but not getting to be physical, a touch of madness in a love-crazed world. To stamp my feet, to howl at the moon, scratches the surface of my dirty, aching lust of the madness in a world that urges me to find, to settle with one. Beneath the surface of my dirty, aching lust, yeah, there might be the capacity for the single-sided love, but don't push me to settle with just one. I still want the body, the lips, the legs of everyone. All that ass would bother the single-sided love, but I want the feel of skin on skin on skin, of lips to lips, legs a kinky mess. Don't talk about love. Just shut up and fuck me. <laughs> All right, next up, we have another one of our editors, Elise Velasquez, who's going to be reading a series of poems. Are you ready? Yeah, ready. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> huh? Is that your book? Get out of here. Take this. You want to give me the right page? Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm a... I don't know. One of the editors of Selfish, and I live with Taylor. Taylor lives with me, and we're best friends forever. Um, yeah, so I'm going to read a couple poems for you guys, and I'm excited to be here. Um, cool, this one's called Ashley. 
I have to blow my nose, but I have a feeling that this bar stinks. My nasal passages are partially blocked, but I'm getting a faint aroma of rotting bodily fluid. Earlier, I plunged the toilet after I went. I didn't have to, but I foresaw a mess. How many times have you wiped up someone else's piss off a seat just so the next person wouldn't think you were nasty? <laughs> I'm strictly here for the girl behind the bar. I should say woman, but girl sounds better. Girl sounds best when her mouth is open, making a sound of approval. She's not talking, she's shining, pushing tiny cups of tequila towards me. Acrylic nails tip-tapping on the bar, she's reflecting, telling me about a person she's falling for, wants to leave her jobs for, get away for the summer, get away from the bars, away from me, away from the people who Google, is anxiety contagious? This sounds like a bad idea. I want to say, don't. But I can water plants, walk big dogs. I have ample time on my hands, I admit for you. This is called Jesse. I text you that I miss you because I want you to get me into trouble. You answer because you want to know what kind. The kind where I dangle myself over the lion's den. The kind where I get drunk and talk down to the folks who have seen me naked. Tell them not to even look at you, not to even dare. The kind where we go to the bad places and play Russian roulette with our cunts. There's only one way, really. I text you that I'm home safe the next day at 2, a joke about how one who hates oneself is never safe. You don't answer. Same day, I sit in a coffee shop half a block from my apartment, worried about a man who thinks he cares about me. He's waiting, like television parents in a darkened living room, waiting for their teenage daughter. I either never was or will always be a teenage daughter. I smell like a bouquet of sex and lilies, and I want to know how I got here. Here's my last one. It's called Harvey. There's a pulse behind my eyebrow that hurts when I think of how your face breaks in laughter. The winding ends of your hair that you sometimes talk about bleaching, rose gold. You are perfect. A ripening peach I want to bite just there, also there, and there again until you are all wet, exposed pit. Incense ash in the sink, trail of salt left behind hot tears, and whatever the intersection of human and other, bone, sleep, serendipity, tattered tarot cards, Coconut oil, clean sheets, leather boots, bare ass, hardwood, put on your seatbelt, Palo Santo, dry petals, red meat, wide eyes. Your mouth is sacred. Thank you. Okay. We're down to our last reader, but before I, I know, that's how I feel too. I was going to say, before we announce our last reader, I just want to reiterate that I'm so grateful that you're all here, and we're all really grateful that you're all here, and we're all kind of amazed that we've gotten to make four of these, so thanks for enabling us to keep publishing, because this is wild. Um, it's, all, it's all because of you. It's all because of you. <laughs> Our last reader is Allison Noel Connor. She's a writer and a zine maker of Haitian descent. Currently, she is at work on her first book, a prose project exploring institutionalization, possessions, and unbecoming from the perspective of an anxious young woman. Allison? Hi, thanks for being here. Um, this piece is called Fill Softly, um, and, okay, all right. My days are spent trying to carve out a crooked howl of a book, a jagged novella concerning Lil, 
a young woman who is involuntarily committed to a psych ward. Lil, who moistens. She does not stay long. The doctors and staff constantly remind her that she does not belong. Lil, who fluctuates between mirroring and scissoring. She observes certain patients. Nonette, Frederic, Bettina, Philippa Louise, not Dottie. All of them are other like her, but she is not them. The hospital releases Lil, seemingly cured. She cannot forget her confinement. She returns. I am trying. Every time I sit to write, the words get choked by lurid wanting. The page crumbles into a suffocating swamp of reaching. Here's a scene where Lil recalls an encounter with a patient in the bathroom. I emerge from the stall. Frederic treads back and forth. She looks like a devil, pacing so furiously red. She wears a terry cloth, blue night robe. As her feet sweep, her hands busy themselves with fastening, unloosening, constricting. Isn't that belt a danger? I think to myself, just let me wash my hands. Just let me wash my hands. Just let me wash my hands. Her eyes taste something deeper in me, deeper than I can touch. Her eyes are pulsing. She runs up to me whilst I quiver, quiver at the faucet. She bares her chest, loopy smiling. I stare at fresh mounds, blue-veined, softly collapsing and rising. Who watches us here? Frederic is foaming. Give me your night. I dream of your night. Who watches us here? I sing. Into my mouth she pours herself for fresh squeezing. I sing beneath the overfed. Frederic cradles my head. Your night, your night, oh nights. After reading an initial draft, a friend asked me if this takes place in a hospital for women with sexual disorders or fixations. Why does this book keep devolving into a vortex of who yearns for whom? Perhaps planetal formations are to blame. Their movements push us towards a vague, unnamed, gushing all over frenzy. Mars, Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, Mercury are all retrograde, seemingly spinning backwards away from us. Really, it's a trick of the eye, an optical illusion. Their paths haven't changed. It only appears that way, that they are moving in reverse when Earth, ever impatient, speeds by slower, slower orbiting planets. Symbolically, retrogrades remove a present fragrance from the sky. It swells wet with reversals and repetitions. I find myself proceeding rearward, driven by a bruised plum thrum. Planets and their energies turn inward, lessen, rest, stagnate. In contrast to others, though, Pluto grows potent. I am trying to remember everything I know about Pluto without looking it up. I am trying to avoid the screens, the internet, digital information. Let me feel. Instead, I keep searching for text to pour over, to dampen, to roll between slippery, tonguing surfaces, metamorphosis, to suckle an over-familiar wound, scorpion stings of hunger and ache, obsidian mirror, regeneration, a grip threatening to hold unrelentingly tighter, labradorite sheen, most distant, purging, arms becoming windmills, conductors, lightning rods, circular voids rejo rejoicing, rituals and vacating bodily forms. 
My mind jumps to the ravishing of low V. Stein, stretched and untethered and glaring amongst the night-shrouded field of rye. How brave she is to look, to regard when she knows she shouldn't. This want to relive a single event to the point that it becomes an extension of, obsession of, desire. In a similar way, Lil orbits at a distance certain patients, their names repeating over and again, strung one after the other, her own private lullaby. Nonette, not Dottie, Philippe Louise, Frederic, Bettina. Nonette, not Dottie, Philippe Louise, Frederic, Bettina. Sweet palms. Who would I do I watch? What is gained in peeping? Whose powers would I hold between clenched teeth and bated breath? A part of me would rather not answer, what do you desire? How to begin to translate? I was going to make a list, but froze still before the page. I'm afraid to step forth. These, they're tremors so much to unpack, to unlearn, to unsee, destroy. The page is a hesitation, blood war. Once while strolling down a short, sharp cut, I witnessed a woman and a man in the in the middle of humid daylight make withering love. Adjacent to a small elderly park in a drought-scorched nook, a sleeping bag swallowed up their torsos, legs. What I remember most, the woman's eyes labyrinthine, labyrinthine, oscillating up, up, upwards, the man ruddy and rusty and restless lines, them together smearing, gooey, endless, while watching I came undone. What if I bawl out loud? No, mutely, an incoherent part, yearned to squeeze myself between the two, the woman and the man. My body would absorb the force of his rickety exhaustions, and what would occur between the woman and I? Irises encircling time. What would we become? At times, Lil burrows freebrow in dreams. She speaks a backward tongue. I fail to catch all her ravings. She feeds me grapes one by one by one, growls when I mention capturing her on the page once and for all, bears uneven teeth when I allude to the inappropriateness of her cravings. Open mouth, she feels, sees up gaps with lavender fresh waters. I am dehydrated. Her fingers taste eerily of the winds back home, sweltering tip. My desire, this possession, sounds like a phantom trick. Is desire another way to bind the least tighter? Choking on all fours. On there. Thank you. Where's Elise? <laughs> Elise, where are you? Elise to the front. Elise, produce aisle. <laughs> okay, so for the first event ever, we're all here. we have all five of us in the same room, <laughs> which is so very exciting. Um, we are technically by coastal, not technically. We are yeah, not yeah. Uh, technically, untechnically. We are we are by coastal, yeah. um, and so we have yet to have every. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Team member. Yep, that's yeah. it. Team member in, in the <laughs> in same room. I'm not, I'm not three glasses of wine in. It's okay. Um, yeah, all five team members in the same room. This is very exciting for us. Uh, we're so happy to 
to have everyone together. And also, um, our fourth issue, we keep thinking it's not going to happen. It keeps happening. You keep helping make it happen. Uh, Skylight keeps ma helping make it happen. And um, we're so grateful to you that you show up, that you love us enough. If you don't know us and you're just here because uh, you heard about this thing that you think might be cool, we love you the most because you're not obligated to us. Um, <laughs> and um, I don't know. Thanks. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot. And... Um, yeah, we, we keep feeling a lot of gratitude and a lot of awe that you keep that this keeps being a thing that you guys care about. So I want to say a thing about Skylight. Cheers to cheers to all of you and Taylor has a thing about Skylight. Yeah, I want to like triple thank Skylight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaks for themselves, right? Skylight's amazing. Um, from the very beginning, we had a very tiny idea, and Skylight was not even hesitant to support us and we've only gotten where we are because Skylight has been our mama bird so thank you to everyone at Skylight for continuing to allow us to do this so thank you and thank you all for being here and that's it we have magazines we have shirts we have tote bags they feature artwork from the issue we're paying the artists who made them so you should buy them <laughs> and um you lushes there's two bottles of wine left get it while you can only so hurry up thanks guys thank you for being here You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.